We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From Zach Filippi, if I'm mispronouncing that, I apologize very much. What happened earlier in the season that the leadership was poor and how did it get turned around? We've talked about this a little bit, Zach, and and there's some things we're just not going to share. But let's just say this. I'm comfortable saying this, Ryan. There were some, and, and look, this isn't just coming from us. Michael Mayer made comments that that alluded to this as well or in the season, but there were, um, let's just say there were some veteran players who weren't bought into the way things were being done. And they were kind of wanting to do their own thing. They didn't show the respect to the position coaches that I think they probably should have and set bad examples in some ways. I mean, not terrible. It wasn't like, but there was some stuff going on. It was just not ideal and in some instances with kids who had really bad attitudes and you know as I know one particular player that um kind of went off on the coach in, in front of all the players uh in in practice or in a meeting I forget where it was but you couldn't bench the kid because you didn't have anybody else I mean you're just your numbers were so limited you didn't you, you there's nothing you could do that's going to create a really toxic environment and I think over time you started to see some of those guys just kind of Marcus Freeman stepped in and dealt with some of that. Like, Hey, this is going to end. If you want to stay here, this is going to end now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and some of the leadership stepped in and, and did some things. And then of course they started winning and it's a lot because part of it too, Ryan is if they don't lose to Marshall, some of that doesn't become as big of an issue. It's different. Yeah. Because yeah. their attitudes got crappier after that loss. Cause like, well, pfft. I'm just doing my thing for me now because we're out. We're not playing for it. You, you beat Marshall and you're like, okay, yeah, the Ohio State game lost, but we got a whole season in front of us. We got USC. We got Clemson coming up. But I think that factored into it as well. And you had some older guys that were just like, I'm going to do me. Right. Yeah. And um, I think that's it got fixed by Marcus Freeman basically saying, you either fix it or you're not going to be here. And the reality is for a veteran player, getting kicked off the team is almost like, draft suicide for a guy <laughs> right you know and i think some of those guys paid the price anyway because look here's the deal people are going to find this stuff out whether the coach tells them what the problem was or not people are going to find out whether it's talking to your teammates whether it's they're going you know this ryan you know how much these guys put into learning about the now the, you could argue the nfl doesn't make enough smart decisions when they do learn the stuff about guys backgrounds Sure. But you know they learn all this. I mean, they learn all this stuff. So if Everything. you were a head case and a bad attitude in practice, they're going to know. Why do you think Alizé Mack felt around seven? Well, it wasn't because he doesn't have ability. You know, it's not that he would have been a second-round pick, but it, he, he felt a seven because of attitude problems. Yeah. You know, and, and certain guys this year for Notre Dame, part of the issue they had about not getting drafted is maybe they don't get drafted anyway. But when you learn some of the stuff, they're definitely not getting drafted. And so I think there was there was some of that going on as well. And um, that's why I said sometimes it's an addition by subtraction. It doesn't mean that those guys aren't talented players, but it's not just about talent. You made this point yesterday, Ryan, about Sam Hartman. 
it's not just about the talent. It's also, do you fit into the culture? Is the culture healthy? Culture is yeah. important in football. And if you don't have a healthy culture, you're not going to maximize your, your ability. And we heard Bama guys talking about this. Who was the lineman that said that we got too many guys worried about NIL right now? Was it after the Tennessee loss or the LSU loss? It but was they, the tennis. So it was after uh, their, was it, was it, the point is they had, a, no. they were not playing to their ability and, and he called his teammates out for it. You got too many guys That's, worried about NIL right now. Yep. And so Notre Dame wasn't alone on this. And I think part of it was, I'll just say this. There were some guys that, that didn't have the option of coming back to Notre Dame this year, even if they wanted it. Yeah. And that's how Marcus Freeman addressed it. And I think people took notice. Yeah. And I think that's why the team started playing better. Agree. So, yeah. Anything you want to add to that? A little, little, more, little more buy-in after yeah. that is how I would put it. Yes. Well, because now they know there's consequences if you don't yes. buy in. Yep. And you need, there needs to be consequences. Like mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, yeah. There needs to be consequences always. Yep. I've, I've learned that over my many years on this earth. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here's an interesting question from David Lowe. David Lowe says, do you all believe if we had secured Andy Ludwig as offensive coordinator, it would have any effect on our preseason ranking? Yes. Yeah, I think so. I think it comes into it. I mean, definitely. I mean, David, because I think that the one thing, well, not one thing, but a major thing that people have question marks with from a national perspective is Jared Parker. How good of an offensive coordinator is he? And, Mm -hmm. And from a national level, from a Notre Dame level, as far as fans and from media perspective, it's a fair question. Like we yeah. don't hundred percent know what the outcome is going to be. Andy Ludwig is a much more known commodity. He's a guy mm-hmm. that you look at and say, I know what he's going to bring to the table. He's been doing it right. here, 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 and here for years and years and years. So if he was the offense coordinator for Notre Dame right now, I think that people would have a higher perception of Notre Dame offensively. They'd be like, yeah, man, it's going to roll him with Sam Hartman and the young wide receivers and Aldrich Estime and the offensive lineman. And yeah. So I, I think that it does affect the perception. I do. Now, would there have been some national people that would have talked down Andy Ludwig? Sure. But the major consensus from all the reputable people would have been, this is a really good hire from Notre Dame. You get Andy Ludwig and Sam Hartman, that's quite the combination. Yes, it How is. would have it impacted their ranking, Ryan? Probably, I mean, instead of 13, they'd be nine. Instead of the people that have them nine, they may put them six or seven. You know, hey, the offense is going to be really good, and the, we know the defense is usually pretty good. So, um but I mean, some people still would have found ways to be critical of Notre Dame. Oh, so yep. yeah. But most people, I think, absolutely. I think Ryan nailed it. I, I'm very optimistic about what he's going to do, Ryan, Jared yep. Parker. But it's yeah. a guess. It's a projection. I don't know. It is. It is. You know, I, I, if I were to say, I know for a fact that Jared Parker is going to be good next year. <laughs> Ryan had had this look on his face like, okay. How do being, I tell my dishonest. boss he's a moron without <laughs> telling him he's a being a moron? You know? I, I would I wouldn't call you a moron. I would say you're being a little dishonest. <laughs> yeah. As well. So yeah. yeah, a little, <laughs> a little dishonest. I mean, you or, might believe or, it. I don't know. People believe things. It sorry. could just it's a home, that Ryan or it's a homer take. Like, dude, yes. you're just you're giving me fanboy talks takes right now. Like that's what you're doing. It's total it's total homer stuff. And that's what we, now. Do I think he's got a shot to be it? Am I optimistic about it? Yes. Will I be surprised if he's successful? Not really. I can't yeah. tell you for sure. 
I don't think Jared Parker could tell you that for sure. Right. I mean, cause how many games has he called at Notre Dame? Zero. Zero. Yeah. You know, so yeah, we'll see. I hope he's good. I hope he's good. Here's an interesting one, Ryan. I, I found this a, a really interesting question from ND estimate trucking LLC. And ND estimate trucking LLC says who was Gunnar Kyle, Phil Dracovic or Dane Christ? Who was your higher rated recruit out of high school? And which one would you choose to lead the current Notre Dame team offense and why? And then who was the better QB? He had said so to me, Gunnar Keel was by far the third guy on that list for me. I did not view Gunnar Keel as a five-star quarterback. I thought he was a top hundred guy for sure, but I did not think he was a five-star quarterback. And, and I think that had he not committed to LSU first, that he would not have been a five. If he was committed to Notre Dame right away, I don't think he's a five-star quarterback. Uh, Phil Dracovic I had as a five-star quarterback. Dane Christ I had as a five-star quarterback. Dane Christ actually was in the first full class I ever evaluated and ranked. He had a huge arm. Yeah. Looking back, I probably would have had him as a four-and-a-half-star recruit now because there were – I mean, there were long delivery, not super accurate ball placement. But even then, you go watch him at the Army All-American practices, and he was just – him and Michael Floyd were just killing people that, mm-hmm. that year. I mean – People forget Michael Floyd went off in the Army game. His quarterback was Dane Christ. He was one throwing him all those throws. Did I ever tell you a story about how Patrick Peterson pretty much just how he avoided Michael Floyd in the game? Did I ever tell you that story? That's a great story. I mean, that's how just dominant he was all week. And that was still the greatest receiver high school class I've ever seen. I mean, it was phenomenal. But Dane was really talented. He had a huge arm. Phil Dracovic was more of the dual threat guy. He was a really good quarterback. If uh, he, I could take he was nuts out of Pound Richland. Man. Oh he man, was he yeah. was. If I could take anybody to run this team, I mean, I'll tell you what, you know who had the best single season of all three of those guys, though? It was Gunnar Keel. Keel. Yeah. His the year before he had that really bad, or was it the year he had the bad head injury? Because that like, I think it was the year he year, had right? the bad one. I think it happened. He yeah. was really good that year, right? Through like twenty eight touchdowns or something. Yeah, had over three thousand yards. Yeah. Do you remember what year that was? I'm going to look up his numbers I, real quick. I don't. I don't I think, remember that. So that would have been he transferred after twenty twelve. So what did that have been? Fourteen, probably twenty fourteen because he had to sit out a year. So yeah, that year Ryan he threw three thousand one. He threw for three thousand two hundred fifty four yards. And he had 31 touchdowns and he had 13, uh, 31 touchdowns and 13 picks. And he, he, um, in the first game back after that injury, yeah, he had 436 yards, but he threw three picks. And then after that, he just was never the same. He went for 161, 174, 190. And he just was, he was just never the same guy. He, he really was just never the same guy. He had a couple big games, but like even the next year against Temple, he threw for 427 yards, but he threw four picks. Yeah. He just kind of got a little skid. That was a brutal hit. I mean, that was a brutal hit. I was surprised he ever played again after that. Yeah, I don't, and I don't even blame him for not being the same dude. Like that's just one of those things where, man, you come back and it's like, bro, I don't. Man, that's a that was a really bad hit. Yes. Um, but he had the best single season of all those guys. I mean, Phil was pretty good in 2020, but he was still learning and still evolving it was his first year as a starter. He's playing against a little better level of competition. The COVID stuff had jacked up the off season. You know, Phil's first year at BC was pretty good. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy after that. Yeah. So I, I think, I think health, if, if health is not a attributing factor, I would probably yeah. go Phil, but it's yeah. not like, I'm not like definitive with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought, I thought Dane Chris was going to be really good. So I missed yeah. on that one a little bit, but yeah. Well, and he showed flashes early on. I mean, heck yeah. Ryan. I mean, the first, the, his, his, um, you know, you think about they beat Purdue in his first game. Yeah. And then when you look at the Michigan game in 2010, I mean, Dane had him rolling. They were whooping Michigan when he played and then he gets knocked out and he misses like what, like a quarter and a half. Uh, of that game and then they bring in nate montana then tom reese eventually dane comes back and what does he do when he comes back he throws a 95 yard touchdown pass to kyle rudolph you know and, and then uh you look at what he did the next week they come out against michigan state the next week he throws for 369 yards and four touchdowns he throws for 304 yards against stanford uh played okay against boston college had a, a pretty good game against pitt had a couple deep balls had three touchdown passes and 255 yards against Western Michigan. And then the Navy game happened and they didn't have Michael Floyd that game. He played really bad. He just looked skittish. And then of course the next week he comes out against Tulsa and gets hurt. 
and he was yeah. never the same dude after that. Just was never the same guy. But to your point, Ryan, I mean, he had two thousand yards and basically half a season and fifteen touchdowns. And in in, in uh, see seven starts, he had two games of over three hundred yards. I yeah. mean, so you saw it. I mean, the the big the the bomb he threw against Michigan, you know, to Rudolph. That's, there's not a lot of guys can make that throw from their own end zone. You know, yeah. he had some. He had Floyd. The, the, do you remember the touchdown pass he threw to Floyd in the back of the end zone against Michigan State in 2015 no, or I mean, 2010? So. Go watch the highlights of that game, Ryan. He dropped one like it was like in the back of the end zone, but it was like in the back left middle. So it was like over top. It was crazy. It wasn't even like a corner route. It was a crazy throw. But then he'd throw a hail mary against Michigan at the end of the game, and it goes into the stands. Like he just couldn't control it. You remember? Do you remember that elite? Yeah, the hail mary. Like. Dude, has, how do you throw a, a Hail Mary into the stands? Not even not even out of the end zone. He threw it into the stands, dude. It's like <laughs> he couldn't control the arm. I mean, yeah, it, that was the problem. He just couldn't control the arm. But, man, he had a cannon, a cannon for an arm. I mean, he had a bazooka. He just couldn't control it. All right, let's get to some more here. Um, here's a two-parter from Kevin Carter. Kevin says, Brian, that Haskins Ohio State team did lose to Purdue, but the next two weeks they won in overtime against a 500 Maryland team because their quarterback overthrew a wide open receiver for the two point conversion. Then they followed that up, having to come back to beat a two win Nebraska team. So it wasn't just the Purdue loss, but the three game stretch. No, I, I think it was the Purdue loss because here's the thing if they would have, and I get what you're saying, it's kind of like he's saying a lot like the Notre Dame 2015 season where yeah. it wasn't just the loss to Stanford at the end that knocked him out. It was playing poorly in the two games before against BC and Wake Forest. So I understand where you're coming from, Kevin, but here's the deal. If he doesn't – if they don't lose to Purdue, they're undefeated. They're 13-0. I also would argue, do they have the same mental letdowns against those teams in, 20, in 2018 if they don't lose to Purdue? I mean, that's the thing you have to think about as well. Like, what? where are they mentally – if they don't lose to Purdue, because let's not forget too. Yes, they didn't play great against Maryland, but they scored 52 points. So it was only the offense stunk, but they barely beat Nebraska, but they also went on the road and beat Michigan state by 20. The week after the Maryland game, they beat Michigan who was ranked. uh, Remember at that time, Ryan, there was a lot of analysts saying that if Michigan beat Ohio state, that they should get in over Notre Dame, even though they had a loss and Notre Dame beat them. Do you remember that nonsense that was coming out? Yep. Well, yeah, that was way back in September, like it's a different season or it's like <laughs> preseason and they're a different team now, right? Because Michigan was getting a ton of hype and Ohio State destroyed them. They beat them 62 to 39 and they went into the Big Ten championship game and blew out Northwestern 45 to 24. So they had more than made up for the close losses to Nebraska and in, 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 um, Wisconsin or Maryland. In those games, was, was was that the year Maryland had that crazy performance from Anthony McFarland? Yes, was that, in that year. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's exactly the game. No, it was like exactly long run after long run. It was oh insane, yeah, man. it was insane. nuts. He rushed for 298 yards that game, Ryan. Insane man. That kid had a weird stat line. So here's what he did: he had back to back. So against Texas, he had two carries for three yards. Yeah, went for eight for 69 against BG. Then he had back to back hundred yard games against Temple and Minnesota, 107, 112, and he only carried the ball eleven and six times. The, here's what he did: the next see five games, he went nine of 34, nine for 34, nine for 74, six for 15, 16 for 83, eight for 17. Then they played Indiana on November 10th. He went 29 for 210. Oof. Then he played against Ohio State the next week. He went 21 for 298. And then the next game against Penn State, he goes six for 12. <laughs> Very boomer bust, yes. <laughs> yes. It was so weird. And it was the same way the next year, too. It was just, but he he was crazy against Ohio State. In that oh, game. it was insane, man. I remember watching that game. Yeah. I was just like, what is happening right now? Yeah. Like, it was just long run after long run. Oh, man, it was nuts. <laughs> it was nuts. But the point is, though, Kevin, and, and, I, and, and your point's fair, but my, my point is this, though, is if Ohio State wins that game, they have a road win over a ranked Penn State team. A, they're undefeated. They have a blowout win over a Michigan team that everybody and their mother thought was great. That Northwestern team finished the year ranked in the top 25, and they also beat TCU on the road. And, uh, you know, and that was also the – remember, Urban got suspended for like the first three games, and it was yeah. just a weird year. But they're undefeated in 13-0, and and there's no way, no way a 13-0 and Ohio State team is not getting into the college football playoff over a Oklahoma team that had a loss. 
No way. Is was was Michigan's quarterback Wilton Spate that year? Was no, that that it was year? Uh, no. it was uh, Shea Patterson. Was the quarterback oh Shea Patterson was the quarterback? Yeah, yeah. got it, got it. Yeah, got it, got it. but that yeah. remember Ryan that Oklahoma team had a loss to Texas that year. They were twelve and one. So yeah. you can't tell me that a twelve and one Texas Oklahoma team is getting in over a an undefeated Ohio State team that beat Penn right. State on the road and beat Michigan by twenty three. Right. You just uh, I, I'm not buying it. I'm just not. I'm I'm not buying it. So, um, but but yes. Those games were not, but teams are going to have those kind of games. Every nobody blows everybody out every game. Do you remember what was the one year that Alabama won it? Was it twenty? Was it the twenty eleven Alabama team, or was it the 09 team? When was Lane Kiffin there at Tennessee? It was the no, it was the oh nine. It was their first title team. Okay. Remember that game? They beat Tennessee, who was not very good, twelve to ten. And I think Terrence Cody blocked like three kicks that game. Oh, I remember that game. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that Tennessee team went seven and six. That that was a pretty good <laughs> good Alabama team, right? I mean, they went undefeated and and uh, that year so bad, man. Because I'm like, how is Terrence Cody blocking kicks? He can't jump. Like, what are we doing right now? Bully the guy and just get. They were bad kicks. But you're gonna have those games, right? I mean, um, the 2019 LSU team. Remember how good they were? They beat Auburn like 23 to 20. They had a yeah. bad game. Um, by the way, my favorite Alabama or LSU game that year of the regular season was not the Alabama game where they got up big and all, but that Texas game against, uh, Sam Ellinger early in the year was a phenomenal back and forth game. Yeah. Yeah. That was a much more entertaining game than the Alabama game. Cause if you remember LSU got a big lead on Alabama and then Alabama chipped away, came back and then LSU went back and, and put it away. But that Texas game was incredibly entertaining. Yep. All right, let's get down to some some uh, some more here, Ryan. Here, I'm going to ask this one, Ryan. I want you to answer this one. Uh, Andrew Gilmore says, "Who is the fastest guy on offense in the 2024 class?" I. It's down to two guys, right, Ryan? I mean, it's yeah. I I I think that Cam probably edges Isaiah Canyon, but I also think that Isaiah Canyon maybe gets faster than him in college yeah. with a little bit of like, because Cam for, for me is like Cam's a little bit advanced from his frame perspective like i don't think cam's gonna get like a ton bigger i mean he probably yeah. play around 200 pounds isaiah cannon could be like 215 pretty easily yeah. and it, it, when he gets to have 15 pounds there's a possibility that he gets more explosive so i think canyon might end up being the fastest of the guys committed right now but i think it's cam williams right now I so you see cam as a 4-4 guy right now right yeah, I think I think he tied yeah. it like four four seven or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's okay. like a slight slight difference. And you're, when you say four four seven, you're talking about the elect. You'd say that would electronic be your prediction for electronic. And then and yeah. and Isaiah was like a what four five four, one. Four five one. Yeah. So it's right. it's by it's by a hair. It's by a step. But I, I think that Isaiah four, has. Four guys. Yeah, I, th- I think Isaiah has the opportunity to be faster long term. But Cam probably yeah. right now, I would say. I agree with you. I think Cam plays faster too, right now. Can't play very fast. Yeah. He is one of those first step and he's going kind of guys. Yes. Yeah, he he's very good. It'll be a conversation. I do think it'll be a debate. I do think it'll be a debate. And I would argue that those two guys are also the two fastest guys in the class, period. Much not even just offense. Right now, yeah. Yeah. yeah right I, now, I don't think yeah. Leonard Moore, like Leonard, I love Leonard Moore. I don't I don't put him on quite on the same level of those guys speed wise. No. He's probably he's like a, a step four behind. five type yeah. guy. Yeah. He's a step yeah. behind. He's another guy like Isaiah Kane that I think is going to get a lot faster. Yes, but right now As he fills out. Yeah, he's low to mid four five kind of guy. I agree with you on. I that. mean, I mean, with Bodie Cahoon's uh four five four though, man. He's in the conversation yeah. at least. <laughs> he yeah. can run, man. He can run. <laughs> yeah. There's no doubt. When we heard Teddy Rizak had, we've heard four, anywhere five, between five four four eight and four five two with him. Yeah. Um, uh, four. I've heard four four eight, four five two, and four five five are the three different times I've heard with him. All of them removed. So so fast. Got it. Yeah. All, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like four four eight and four six seven. Yeah. 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 He can like run. Kyle Hamilton. Remember that you were like you were being told by by people around him that he was going to run a four three at the combine. Yeah. Like four and, three nine or something like that. Yeah. Like okay. Yeah. No, you um, misunderstood. Ryan. They were talking about the shuttle. They were talking oh. about the shuttle. Not not the. <laughs> Well, I would not have been excited at all because 439 is not a no. great shuttle. <laughs> he was closer to that than the 40 time. Oh, oh my goodness. All right. Here is um here, here's one right here. Let's go to this one. Josh Buffo, the motivational business banker, says hypothetical. Antonio Carter balls out for one to two years in Notre Dame and becomes a first round pick at safety. How big is it for safety recruiting to get Hamilton and Carter in round one? It's pretty big when you say Ryan. I mean, Massive. yeah, I think so. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and I think it would, it you know, it would certainly help. I I don't think it completes completely answers all the questions because you had to go to the transfer portal to get that one. But I I think it's it's like the whole thing. Well, you got Harrison Smith and Kyle Hamill. Yeah, but they're like a decade apart, right? You know, so I mean, it's a, it's it's a little bit different. But now all of a sudden, you stack a second guy up like three years after Kyle Hamilton, it, it helps. And, and so it'd be the same coach as well. Yeah, that would help too. And if you develop Antonio Carter into that type of player in yeah. one to two years too, Josh, I, I would say yes, especially because, I mean, Antonio Carter's not a first-round pick right now, guys. Like, he's not, yeah. like, based no. on his Rhode Island film. But if they mm-hmm. propelled him into that, then that's sure. massive, man. It's well, because if he was a first-round pick right now, Ryan, he would not be coming to Notre Dame. He'd be no. going to the NFL. And he would have, yes. you know, maybe being at the FCS level would have dropped him down to round two. But that's right. it. If he was a first-round talent right now. Yep. But, yeah, I, I – we're, yeah, we'll have that conversation after we actually see him in a Notre Dame uniform. Yes. But that's something <laughs> I'm very curious to, yeah. to see your thoughts on that. And also, we got to see him transition to safety because he's not yes. a high draft pick as a corner. The no. question is, can he become one as a safety? That would be that would be the dis- discussion. We first need to answer the question if he can transition to safety or not, yeah. which right. we think he can, but right. I haven't seen it yet. Because it's it yet. not – I mean, not every corner can transition to safety, no. right? I mean, it, it, I think people think, like, not every right tackle can, can can go to left or vice versa. Most can to a degree, but yeah. it, what – I have no I have no doubt that he can transfer to safety. The question is, can he be as impactful as a safety? And this is what you're saying as well. He'll he'll be able to place he'll be able to move to safety no problem and provide depth. The question yeah. is, will he be the same level of impact player moving up and then moving over? Is going to be the, the question. Here, here's another some we're getting to some really really I mean they've all been great questions but these are some really interesting ones. Move, Jay Henry says, time. which Notre Dame player's performance could have the biggest impact on recruiting as far as perception? See, I'm I'm back and forth on this one, Ryan. Like I keep changing my answer in my head my first answer was sam hartman like if sam hartman comes in and lights it up and is in the heisman ceremony that was my first thought right yeah but i'm kind of like yeah but but i don't know that that necessarily changes the perception because it was a a transfer guy it wasn't necessarily a guy that you developed so i don't know if that answers any of your development questions my next thought was like tobias merriweather you know, yeah, wide receiver that, and pass yeah, rusher were my. That was going to be my third. Was yeah. like a, a yeah. either Riley Mills, like that. Yeah. To me, to me, the one that what I think would have the biggest impact is if Riley Mills comes out and balls out, yeah, and just becomes like a Jerry Tillery type season production wise. <laughs> Double digit I mean? tackles for loss, like eight, yeah. seven sacks, seven, eight, eight, yeah, sacks. exactly. Like yeah. I think yeah. that would be a really big needle mover, perception yeah. wise for Notre Dame, because like I feel like cornerback, you're already seeing the perception is good. They in a top 10 cornerback room. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if a safety stepping up and being great necessarily changes any perception on the field. Maybe it does in the draft, like if Xavier Watts breaks out. Sure. So I, I, it really comes down to me. It's it's really one of four guys. It's either Sam Hartman, Tobias Merriweather, or a Jaden Tommy. Pick a receiver. Sam Hartman, a receiver. I would say Tobias simply because he's younger and you know that you're definitely going to get more years from him. Yeah. So he can maybe string some together. I, I think he'd be uh, but, a little flashier too, which yeah, some people would yeah. like. The perception would be like, wow, man, look at that like, guy. He looks yeah, like Marvin Harrison point. Jr. Like, because like if Jaden Thomas breaks out, it's just going to be kind of like he's that guy that puts up the numbers, but you're like, oh, wow, he had eight catches for 115 yards. That's an, I did, like, it just yeah. it's different. Yeah, that's yes. a good point. That's a good point. He's got like a uh, monotonous feel to yeah, not monotonous, but yeah, like just that really kind of consistent, like, yeah, perception wise. But, yes. you know, for a football team, you're like, dude, I love this guy. He's money. Yes. But yep. perception wise, yes, you're correct. Then the last, like you said, the last two are the uh, an edge player and an interior player, whether it's Batelho, yeah. whether it's J- John Baptiste. I'll tell you what, though, you know what? I'm actually going to, on the edge, I'm going to zero in on a name. The guy's performance that could have the biggest impact on recruiting is is not Jordan Patelho or Josh Burnham. It's it's Javante Jean Baptiste, and here's why: we talked about it earlier. If you can take a guy from Ohio State who never produced anything more than rotation minutes and turn him into a dude, Ohio State can no longer say we can develop you better than they can at Notre Dame. That's gone. That's fair. that's absolutely gone. Yeah. So perception-wise, Ryan, I think that's the one that would matter most for me on the edge. And then, of course, Mills is a little different. In the what are your thoughts on that, Ryan? I mean, because obviously if you produce Patelho, that's big. I mean, that's going to be impactful. Yeah. But that unique Ohio State angle to that, what are your thoughts on that one? I mean, 
I just I, I think it's because I think that some people would put try to push back on it and not even saying in the chat, I'm just saying like from a perception perspective, is they'd be like, well, John Jean, Jean Baptiste learned that all at Ohio State. He just finally got opportunity at Notre Dame. You know what I mean? So like I think that it would be more for impactful for me if it was a homegrown Notre Dame guy. So a Batelho, a Burnham, a guy that is That's literally fair. the roots began here and it developed here, if that makes That's sense. Fair. That's yeah. fair. So that's kind of like the Sam Hartman argument I had, right? I yeah. mean, that's like, okay, yeah, you just took advantage. You could get him more snaps. He was competing right. against Jack Sawyer and JT. Yeah, that's fair. It's, it's, that's it's fair. like it's like Gino Gadouli is not going to be judged based upon what Sam Hartman is in 2023. He's going to be judged based upon what Kenny Minchie could do yeah. in 2024. It doesn't hurt. That. It's yeah. not going to oh, hurt him. It's not hurt. like it's irrelevant. But, yeah, it's yeah. The produce, like it's producing that homegrown guy more so than than anything else. Yeah. I get that. Unless you're going to string them together like Lincoln Riley did. Because, I mean, yep. every guy that Lincoln Riley developed at Oklahoma was a transfer. That's true. It's very true. The first one he had was uh, Spencer Rattler, and he didn't pan out. Now, Caleb Williams will count as a homegrown guy, even though he played for him, because he got him as a freshman. He followed him. Yep. But uh, Baker Mayfield tra- started games at Texas, Texas Tech. Tech. Yep. Kyler Murray started games at Texas A&M. Yep. And Jalen Hurts was at Alabama. So yep. he he literally got transfers. So you could you could have but the thing difference there is he got those guys for multiple years. Yes. And so you could somewhat uh eliminate that by saying, yeah, but Kyler didn't do very well at Texas Tech or Texas AM. And you know, Baylor didn't do great at Texas Tech. They came yeah. here and became stars. Sam Hartman's 19th and 18th all time in touchdown passes and touchdown. <laughs> and I mean 18th and touchdown. 19th and touchdown passes, 18th in passing yards in NCAA history. So it's not like, yeah. you know, he he underachieved at Wake Forest and they turned him into a star at Notre Dame. Uh, I don't know if I like this question or if I just think the name is hilarious, but either way, we're going to go with this one. From Sexy Man, do you think NIL has made rivalries less relevant to the fact no one stays at the same school and no one truly develops the desire and passion it takes to appreciate a rivalry? I, I do think there's something to that. Yeah. I do actually, yeah. I think for the on-field product, it does. For fans, it doesn't matter. But I think the passion in the game, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, Now, does it change certain rivalries? No, because Ohio State and Michigan, it doesn't change because – um, I don't, I don't know if, because you're talking about two different things. You're talking about NIL and then the transfer portal, like you said, NIL, but really what you're referring to more so is the transfer portal guys leaving. Right. Yep. Um, and, and I say, cause I, I don't think NIL is the issue. I think it's more the transfer portal. Cause I think just yes, cause I'm getting paid doesn't, yeah, just cause I'm getting paid. Like Michael Mayer made a, a lot of money at Notre Dame last year. Did anyone ever question his passion or desire or, or, uh, Love for Notre Dame last year. He, didn't, he just didn't want it, man. Just didn't right. want it. Right. Like no <laughs> one ever said that, right? Like Ryan, I mean, if anything, yeah. it was quite the opposite. You'd see them lose a game. I mean, you look at Michael Mayer after the Stanford game, that guy was yes. like crushed. Defeated, yeah. Absolutely yeah. crushed. He wasn't like, ah, screw it. I got mine. All good. Nah. He was crushed. Yep. Uh, I think the transfer portal is more of the, that has hurt rivalries. Because you're literally seeing guys go from Bama to Georgia to Bama. You know, it's just like, you know, but I think at schools like Michigan and Ohio State, it's not having as big of an impact because they're just not dipping into the portal with the volume. Like USC, Notre Dame, that's why it's like kind of lost some of its luster. Like, you know, Caleb Williams putting the FND on his finger. Like, why? What do you, what do you, what do you know about the Notre Dame rivalry? Like, seriously, sure. you know what I mean? Like, most of those kids aren't there for that. For the Notre Dame kids, it's a little different. But, you know, look, some of them will be impacted. Some of them won't. Like North Carolina. North Carolina has had so much turnover this offseason. Like, if I have a football rivalry with them, do those kids really get that? Like the kids that have been there for four years? I don't know. There, there was a there was a defensive end that went from Oklahoma State to Oklahoma this offseason. And the fans were like in an uproar. Like, yeah. oh, wow. But then everybody was just like, oh, who cares type of thing from the player perspective. To right. your point. It's like the players right. just don't care as much about it. Anymore, Man, you go ask, sad. you go ask like Marcus Freeman and guys younger than older than him. How would you have felt if a dude from Michigan transferred to Ohio State or vice versa? <laughs> right. Go right. ask Charles Woodson how he would have felt if David Boston would have transferred to Ohio to Michigan. Seriously. I don't, seriously. I don't play with that dude. 
I hate that guy. Now you may not in real life, but the, it was just different back then. No, Notre Dame you know? guys would have been the same way. Like Michigan, get out of here, man. Play. You're not exactly. here. <laughs> we want Desmond here. We're trying to beat him, not play. You know, yeah, it's interesting. That's a that's a yeah, that's an interesting. This is also an interesting one, Ryan, because it actually has happened before. So I, I found I wanted to bring it up. And Antoine says, Brian, in recruiting, is it possible for you to go after a recruit without announcing it to the world, bringing attention, making your own recruiting harder? Can you give them a silent offer? We have seen them do this before. Yes, we have. Where they say, hey, look, we're going to offer you, but we don't want it really getting out there just yet. Uh, and And so, yeah, we've seen them do that. We've seen them kind of not talk to people and not let people know. Or they've asked us, hey, we're going to offer this kid, but don't say anything about it until until we do it because we want to do this. And then there's other kids, Ryan. What was interesting is with Brandon Hillman, they started yeah. telling, they started leaking to uh, like other staffs and coaches that, hey, man, you might want to check this guy out. This guy's really good because they wanted a bunch of people to offer him. And to, before they publicly offered him, but they had kind of told him beforehand, like, hey, man, we want you. You're our guy. But here's what we're, you know. So that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what Antoine's talking about. Yeah. It As far as the silent offer. But he knew it was coming. But then they also kind of played the game to try to get him more publicity and, and attention and that stuff. And it worked. Yes, it did. It certainly worked. We had a super chat from Gregory Perez. Thank you so much, Gregory. I'm a fan who has never made it to a Notre Dame to, to Notre Dame. I'm currently stationed in San Diego, San Diego. I think, yeah. San Diego. I think so. At the moment, I am. Yeah, probably San Diego. At the moment, I am curious which game would be best to attend as a first game. I mean, Gregory, listen, here's this. I mean, this the honest to gosh truth. There is no bad game to come to Notre Dame and there watch really your isn't. team play if there you've really never isn't. been. It, it, except, it, except last year against Marshall, but otherwise, yes. <laughs> but like even then, you yeah. would like was that your first game you'd ever been? No, you'd no, no, I've been to several right? at that point. Yeah, yeah. Like to me, the outcome would like for example, my first game was 2007, Ryan against USC. That was not a good day. They wore those ugly freaking throwback 77 uniforms, and they got a. I had to watch Evan Sharpley playing quarterback for Notre Dame, and they got annihilated like 38 to nothing. But you know what? Every memory I have from that day was still just in awe because it was. I, I, you know, I heard Evan was... Sharpley should have been a starting quarterback at Notre Dame. So <laughs> over Jimmy Clausen, exactly. yeah. No, uh, but just it's still like I have so many great memories from that day because it was like me and my dad. It was our first, both of our first games at Notre Dame, and it's just an amazing experience. I mean, even Central Michigan, Pitt, Wake—they're all good experiences. If you're really looking to maximize sort of the experience plus the game, if you have a chance to uh, attend, and we're talking this year, yeah, obviously the USC Ohio State games are huge. If you can get Those tickets, the other it. one is Tennessee State because it's the home opener, and I have a feeling the halftime is going to be epic. So the but the home opener's always got a buzz, you know. It's it's yeah. it, there's that. And, and you know, look, Pitt's a bit of a rival. If you're like, if you're someone who likes the cold weather aspect of it, then come for the Pitt or the Wake Forest game. Uh, but but those are the big ones for me. Is if you really want the the environment, it's Ohio State, uh, USC, and then Tennessee State because it is the opener. So those are the ones I, I, I look at, Ryan. But honestly, if if you're if you're looking at it just from an experience standpoint, there's really not a bad game to come to Notre Dame. There's not. There's there not. isn't. Unless the yeah. weather sucks, you're like, man, this really blows. Yeah, but that's, I mean, I, I was joking about the Marshall game, but I had a great time at Marshall during right. the actual game. So. Right. That's what's cool about Notre Dame too, Ryan, because there's so yeah. much to experience and the memories that are beyond just the game. Great, but great. I would get there, get there early, man. Get there like 9 a.m., just walk oh, around. Oh, get there Friday. Yes. yes. Get there Friday and experience all of it. See the yeah. trumpets. See the... Make sure you see the player walk. Just see all of it, man. It is such a great experience. It really check, is. Check out, check out the grotto. Do yeah. everything. Yes. Yep. yep. It is. It is really a blast. It really is. Walk around the lake. All of it's really, really cool. Yep. Uh, Nathan Milton says, Ryan, Brian, is the bridge down for Keon? No, I don't think so. And, and here's why. Keon, like the decision or not, handled it like a man. Yeah. He was honest with the staff. He told them what was going on. He did it with respect. He didn't sneak anything. 
He didn't say anything negative about Notre Dame. Ryan, you were at the All-Star game. He was hanging out with the Notre Dame commits more than he was hanging out with the Alabama Oh, yeah, man. Him and And Brendan Vernon were chummy, brother. And he, I mean, Keon came up to me and was, like, talking to me for a long time. Yeah. I like Keon. I like Keon So, I don't agree with Keon's decision. I've said this before. I I think he made the wrong decision, in my opinion. But he made it like a grown-up. He handled it with class. He was he was honest. He was respectful. It ju- he just felt somewhere else was better for his future. I don't agree with it, but I respect it. If Keon Keeley called up Notre Dame or you know jumped in the portal and said, "Hey, I made a mistake. I want to go to Notre Dame," I think they would embrace him with open arms. The players would, and the coaches would, in my opinion. That's yeah. not the case with some other guys. That like I don't think if uh, let's just say a safety from Texas that's now playing in the Big Twelve <laughs> wanted to do that. I don't think that they would receive that call well. I, I wouldn't do it either. I yeah, wouldn't do neither it would I. Yeah, but you know Dante. I don't think that, and not that they dislike Dante. It's just kind of like it's more about just blocking CJ and then dealing with the other people around him. I don't think anyone at Notre Dame has any negative feelings about Dante himself at all. It's right. just the sideshow that comes with Dante. That's and and then I just think they felt CJ was the better prospect, and they don't want to block CJ. So, um, but yeah, there's a couple guys that 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 bridge has been burned. If Harry Heastan was still at Notre Dame, I don't I don't think that uh, Monroe Freeling would be coming to Notre Dame. Yes, probably not. Maybe now it might be, but but then it wouldn't be. Um, I want to answer two more, Ryan, and then we'll get out of here. Here's one from Byron Davis. Byron says, if the majority of ACC schools want out and ESPN wants to shed the remaining 13 years of contract payments, is it the remaining ACC schools with no clear next option holding up change? No, it's holding up the change is a very ironclad agreement. So this is my understanding of how it works. They can get out of their contract now. Florida State could leave for the SEC right now. The problem is they got to play pay a what is it a nine figure buyout fee, and they can't make TV revenue from their new conference for like the next ten years. They could go to the SEC tomorrow, which again tells you this isn't about football. This is about money. Because if you really wanted to be in the SEC, if you thought that helped you football wise, you could go go. Exactly. You know, um, but uh, it's not about that. The holdup is the contract. That that's the holdup, and the holdup also is is I mean from the contract too is there are a lot of schools who are like hey we're not being pursued by those conferences, yep. so this isn't good for us. And some of those schools are in a they're sort of in the same um, the same school system, and so it's like it's like some of those schools just can't go make decisions all on their own. You know what I mean? They have to you know they're part of the same school system, and the decision yep. has to be made within the school system. Like USC and UCLA. UCLA had to pass through. They had to like there was some sort of board that had to vote on it. USC didn't have to do all that because USC is a private school; they're their own institution. Now UCLA is part of the California school system. They had to make a different. They had to go a different path. So I think that would factor into it as well. But the the holdup is the contract and the money. Yeah. That's the holdup. If they can't get out of the, if they can't get out of the terms of the contract, then they're screwed. The only other thing that could happen. Yeah, isn't it? It's crazy, right? The only thing is, is ESPN could somehow balk on the contract, and then ESPN would just have to pay those schools. You know, they'd have to, they'd have to then pay a ton of money, and they don't have it. They don't have that kind of money. Yeah, but I mean, look, if both sides, because thing is, both you could say, well, both sides want out of it. No, they don't. Some schools on one side want out of it, but the ACC doesn't want out of it. They definitely don't want out of it, and they're holding all the cards right now. So hey, ESPN, you want to you want to get out of this deal? Fine, pay us a billion dollars. You know, you know what I mean? And yeah. then sure, we'll let you get out of it. And you know that that's kind of what would happen. But that's not going to happen. They don't have that kind of money, in my opinion. And then here's here's the last one, right? I thought this would be a cool one to um to get into. So because we both have very different perspectives and or, say paths to 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 where we are now. Jake says, both of you guys have football experience, both in playing, coaching, and analyzing. What advice would you give to someone who wants to pursue the same career? My first bit of advice is to just be involved in it as much as you can. Yeah. I mean, whether it's a job or not, like when, when Ryan and I have both done this, where we've produced content that we love to do, 
and we weren't getting paid for it. We just loved to do it and we wanted to do it. And we, I think I, for me, I, I, I never really thought that it would eventually become a profession. When I first started doing evaluations, it was about, I was planning on still getting back into coaching. It's just something I did for fun. And, but I just love to do it. And eventually it opened up doors for me to become my career. And now I'm running my own business. So it's just be it, be in the game, be around it, be a part of communities. Like how it started for me was I was on a message board and given my opinion and the guy that ran it, liked my opinions, eventually started paying me to provide them articles and content. And eventually I built up a, a following and built up a reputation, allowed me to continue to grow and grow and grow. And now I'm where I am, but just, I was around the game my whole life. I mean, I studied it. I, I that's the thing is, is to be a sponge, man, learn the game, go to coaching clinics. If you can uh, list study teams that have success, you know, listen to people whose, whose evaluations that you listen to and trust and say, Ooh, you know, that guy always talks about this with offensive linemen. I've never thought about that. I need to add that into my evaluations of offensive linemen. I think anytime you say, if, if you're ever at a point where you feel like you've stopped learning, and no one can teach you anything and you've got it all figured out. It's probably because you're bored in that profession and you needed to yes. find something else to do. Yes. And, and if you think you're the smartest guy in the room, look, there's not a lot of people that to me that could come to me and give me an opinion about football that I'm going to be like, Oh wow. I'm immediately going to think about it. But trust me, there are definitely some. And I mean, I, Ryan, you know, one, I got a text message recently from someone who I think is one of the best to ever do it. And when he says, I'm like, okay, I'm listening to that. I'm going to, take that yeah. to heart and, and to evaluate it. And, and, you know, that's kind of the thing that, that, you know, there's been a players that part of the reason I hired you is there's players. Who say, hey, Brian, I think you need to give this guy another look and think about this. And I'm so, okay, I'm gonna go watch it with a fresh set of eyes. And then, okay, cool. I don't think that, I don't know if you've ever had that with me, but I know I've had that impact yeah. with you. And yeah. so just all of that, find people that you, that you respect, study what they do be. And here's the thing. We're, we live in this era where young people have this really stupid idea that you should never do anything for free. That's stupid it's, because it's sometimes really there aren't those opportunities and I'm not going to pay you 50 grand to come work for me when I don't know what you can do. Do you know why I was willing to, to give Ryan a, a, an offer that I, for me and my business was pretty big? I don't, you know, don't know how big it was for him or from other people, but for me it was pretty big because I knew what he was bringing to the table because he'd established it. Even though it wasn't his profession, he was doing it on the side. Sometimes he's getting paid for things. I didn't pay Ryan much for the work he was doing for me, Ryan. You got like pennies basically doing stuff for me. It wasn't, but it wasn't about the money. It was about, I want to write. I want to put this content out there. And if he wasn't willing to do that, then I wouldn't have known that Ryan's capable of doing this great work and wouldn't have hired him. That anyone that tells you don't do anything for free is giving you bad advice. If it's, it's something you're passionate about, and you're able to do something and you're able to do it where you're getting your name and your ability out there, be willing to do it. Now, don't let someone screw you over and you're putting out 8, 10, 12 content pieces a week and they're giving you nothing. Sure. They're screwing you over. But, and what I mean for free, like put it on a message board. Be well, hey, say, hey, Brian, I want to write a weekly article for you and I'm willing to do it for free. I'll let you do that. Odds are I'm probably not going to have you do it for free. I'll end up giving you something. Right. But, that's the thing. And and so if you love it and you think you're good at it, be willing to do it without, without really factoring in the, the payment aspect of it. Just be willing to do it. And, and someone will find you and be willing to pay you enough to make it a career. But study the game. Don't ever stop studying the game. Be around the game. Be, be Have people that you, that, that you talk ball with that are willing to challenge you. And just be, always, I mean, and study things you don't necessarily like. Too, if you're a, I like this offense. That's cool. Go study the air rate. You know, hey, I'm a four two five guy. Cool, great, love it. Go study the three four. Just because you're always learning more about the game, and so those are the things that I would encourage you to do, Jake. I, Ryan, do you have anything to add to that? I, I would say just always be aware of your brand, right? Because everything that you do is growing your own personal brand on top of what other other brand that you are a part of. And I think that the biggest thing that I at least think that has been somewhat successful for me is that I am authentic. Like I'm never, I never shy away from being like, if I'm controversial, I'm controversial at times. Right. Like I, I, I believe what I believe and I'm always going to put my name on top of that opinion. Right. So I think it being opinionated and just being authentic is not a bad thing. I really think so. Just growing, growing a personal brand is just always the best. And then the other thing I would say, Jake, 
is that it's o- it's okay to be in people's DMs and ask if they have stuff yeah. that you could do for them and to be yeah. persistent with it. Like, it's okay, man. It's okay. I, I used to feel bad about like, hey, man, like, uh, love your site. You have an opening, like all that type of stuff. But like, you, you get over that as you're trying to grow yeah. in the business, right? Like, it, you, you, it's a, you miss a hundred shots that you don't take, right? Like, you always shoot your shots. What's the worst thing they can do, Ryan? What's the Say worst no? thing that can happen? Say no. And you're exactly where you are. So, yeah. Yeah. But yep. it only takes one person to say yes. That's it. 100%. Yes. It. Yep. yep. You get 999 no's. You got an opportunity if, that, if you find that one person to say yes. And, and when you finally get to that level, you're not going to remember the 100 people that said no. You're just going to remember the position you're in now. And, and if you do remember it, it's fuel. Yes. That's what, it, you know, it's fuel. And I would encourage you not to do that. But some people use it as fuel. I don't care about the yep. people that said no. It doesn't bother me. They had to do what they had to do. And I'm going to do what I had to do. But you just need that one person to say, hey, I'll give you a shot and then let your talent and your work ethic take over. And that's the thing is, if you're going to do this, you better be willing to work. Don't if you think this job is a nine to five, find something else to do. It's not. It is not. It's not. It is not a nine to five. It is a it is a seven days a week, always on call, you know, type of thing. But it's okay because you love what you do. That's going to do it for today. There was a great question from Irish Shy Town that I was going to ask. I'm not sure if you're on the message boards, but you need to be because you should answer that one on the message board. You should ask that question on the message board about the three players in college football. That's uh, We just don't have time for that right now, but, man, I, I, that's a fun question. Either bring that back tomorrow or let's talk about it on the message board. But we just, we've got to run now, so we can't. So, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and uh, take us out of here, man. Yeah, uh, this was a great show. Thank you all again so much for – a lot of great questions, a lot of great content today. We'll be back again tomorrow, of course, at 1 o'clock Eastern time. Make sure you hit that notification bell, though, on YouTube so you know that we have a show tonight, 6 o'clock Eastern time, and IB Nation Sports Talk. We'll be back, though, and we'll be uh, pumping out great content. So make sure to go to, to Boris at irishbreakdown.com, irishbreakdown.com for some of the free content. We appreciate you all for being with us today. From Brian, I am Ryan. As always, we thank you so much for being a part of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. We'll <laughs> be